Okay, so we're in the book of Luke, and we're going to be in the book of Luke for a long time, probably, because that's my plan, but it's also Christmas time, and that's, uh, messages, that's what we want. So, a recap of last week, if you guys didn't, uh, weren't here, um, big surprise, I'm not the biggest fan of Christmas. So, there you go. That's all you need to know from last week. But not really. There's a lot that we talked about last week that I kind of want to talk about this week. Because the, the passage that Emily read for us today is where we're going to be in Luke chapter number one. Um, but the, the similarities to this story and what we talked about last week are very stark and like on one hand it's just like oh this is like the same thing that happened to a different person on the other hand there's some differences within the story that I kind of want to compare and contrast today and so last week just to give a quick synopsis of of what was talked about last week is is Zachariah was he's this priest he worked at the temple and he and his wife Elizabeth had uh, been wanting to have children and they'd prayed about having children for a long time and they couldn't have any kids and she was now very, uh, the scripture says she was well advanced in age. Um, so much so that when an angel showed up to Zechariah while he's serving in the temple, while he's leading people in, 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 in prayer to God, uh, this angel shows up to him and he tells him, hey, you're going to have a kid. And Zechariah is kind of like, mm, probably not. My wife is well advanced in age. And so, you know, you guys can figure out what all that means, but he didn't believe that he, he was going to have a kid because it seemed impossible to him. And so uh, the angel's like, well, uh, God can do the impossible. It's funny, we read that today. Emily read that for us, and I think it's verse 27, maybe. Nope, 37, right? For, for with God, nothing is impossible, right? Uh, the, the angel didn't tell Zachariah that, but he did proved to him uh, that God can do the impossible, and he said, well, now you don't get to talk anymore until you have the baby and name him John. And so, uh, all this is a beautiful, beautiful story about how uh, John, uh, John the Baptist was promised to his parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And then today, where we get more into the Christmas story and more work to, you know, where we're getting ready, is it, is it two weeks away? Time is flying. So not next Sunday, but the, the following Sunday is Christmas Eve. So yeah, running out of time. Um, but we're talking about uh, the Christmas story, about Jesus' birth. And, and today we're going to talk about how that was promised. And I want us to kind of compare and contrast a little bit of Mary's story with Zachariah's story. I'm going to just start calling him Zach because it's way easier than saying Zachariah or Zechariah or Zacharias or you know, it's a different language. Like, how do we say it? I say Zach. That's what I say. You can yell at me if you want. No one yelled at me after last week. So, um, so uh, I'm not going to shorten Mary. I think that one's short enough. Um, <coughs> I'm sorry. I'll get on track here sometime. So, first of all, if you have a handout, uh, the, the outline today is very simplistic. But there's lots of space for you to write around, okay? But the first point I want us to look at is the person. 
super easy, really hard to spell. We put it on the, on the slide there for you in case you're struggling, okay? So the person. Now we're comparing and we're contrasting Mary and Zach, right? So the first thing I want us to notice is Zach. Who's Zach? Well, Zach, he's a priest. He's an old guy. Uh, his wife is super old, right? Um, well advanced in years. Sorry, sorry. I'm assuming he is as well. Like generally back in that day, he's probably a decent chunk older than her too, right? So like he's really, really advanced in years. But um, so so there's Zach, and and there's this 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 crazy like it's not crazy. This man, his heart is dedicated to God. His heart, like his job, his life. Every moment of his, his existence has been preparing him for this job as, as a priest, as a, as a tribe of Levi, literally from his birth, they're preparing him for, for Levitical work, right? Maybe it's uh, with the different priests were because of the different families within the Levitical tribe. And, and so, like, I don't know how well all of that's tracked from, you know, Moses' day through all the, you know, different um, losses of, uh, you know, being carried away and conquered. And now they're conquered by Rome. And, you know, I don't know how well everything we read in Exodus translates to Zachariah's time. But Zach is a Levite. I mean, he's dedicated, his, his entire tribe, his entire family is dedicated to serving God in the temple and other places. But for him specifically, he serves in the temple. He has, this, he has a rotation. He has a job within the temple to go offer incense. And so this, this man's job, his dedication, his life is to serve God. And so as we look at the person of, of this promise that we're looking at, like he's promised that his son is going to be John the Baptist. And it's interesting, we talked about it a little bit last week, you know, what was his expectations for his son? Like maybe his expectations is that he would serve as a priest in, in the same place he did, right? That he, his son would take his spot. But instead the promise to this priest is that his son will become a prophet. And that he's going to prepare the way for God's Messiah, for the anointed one. And so there's this beautiful, wonderful promise that's given to this priest about his son serving God and leading people to God. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And sometimes we get the expectation that the promises of God are to people who are godly. I've had a question that's been bugging me. All week long. Why Mary? Man, I've got answers, right? I, I've, I've been in class. I've, I've heard what other people tell me. And, and, and Scripture gives us answers. And I, I don't want to demean these answers, right? Like, like Mary's in the lineage of David, right? Like, like there's a reason it's this family. But, but why Mary? Why, why did God choose this time? And the reason I ask this question is not just because she became this, you know, host that didn't matter who she was. It's because the angel, like, a, the angel shows up to her and he says, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. What? 
What did Mary do that was so great that God's now saying, oh, you're blessed. Oh, you are highly favored. What's so special about Mary? Listen, I, I, I know there's, there's, there's whole groups of people in the world that have, have made a lot of devotion to Mary. And so don't hear me try to, number one, lift her above something she's not. And number two, I, I, you know, I don't want to demean her, right? But like my, my question is the same question she's asking, right? The angel says, rejoice, highly favored one. Now, we're going to compare and contrast, right? So when the angel showed up to Zach, he's like scared spitless, right? And the angel's like, do not fear. Well, Mary, well, she's, she's trembling too, but, but it says, verse number 29, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Not only is she just like troubled by the fact there's an angel here, Right? He has to say the same thing, don't be afraid, right? But, but she's really confused and she's troubled. And what does he mean, favored one? I think she's asking the same question. I don't, are you talking to me? Like, is there someone else? Like, I mean, if we can get into the head of the, of the culture and the day and age when this is, like, we don't know, but she's betrothed. I mean, our guesses of how old she is range from, like, 14 to 17. Real young. More than likely, she's not an old maid. So let me ask you this. How many, how many close to the age of 14 to 17? Raise your hand. We're getting somewhere. What have you guys done that's so special that God might show up to you today and say, rejoice, highly favored one? What are you doing that's so special that you get to be chosen and literally called blessed among all women? Obviously not some of you, like all men, you know. What's special about Mary? I want to argue something. The only thing special about Mary is how she responds to God. That's it. Like, there's the answer. She's in the lineage of David. It was the fullness of time. God chose to bring his son to, to literally come in the flesh at this moment in time. But there's, there's something that we see here in Mary that just shows that she has a heart to follow God. And what we find through her willingness to do what God has called her to do, we see, we see a, a humility and a submission to our God. And that's what's special about Mary. See, I, I, what I want us to recognize is like, like, it's not, like, God is not just promising great things to the people who've dedicated their life to serving in the temple. He's doing great things to people who have dedicated to follow him, to love him, to worship him. So my question is, who are you? Are you some well-advanced old man 
or are you some young woman? The person, listen, the person of the promise, the person of the one who's doing miracles and who's serving God, that person isn't that, that important. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. It doesn't matter if you're tired or excited. It doesn't matter if you have or you have not yet. We're following God. He is the one who provides. To the person, it doesn't matter. Who are you? Are you the person who's, you know, I don't, I don't know what God, why God would ever use me. How could God ever use me? Or are you the person who's, well, God needs me. Or maybe you're the person who, you don't even think you need God. The thing that makes us special, it's, it's not our job, it's not our vocation, it's a heart that's willing to follow God. God can use anyone who's willing to follow him. The person. Let's look at the promise. The promise. The promise to Zach, we're, we won't go back and read it. it it's hard to read a hundred verses <laughs> in one sermon. Um, uh, the promise to Zach was that his son would be John the Baptist. It doesn't say the Baptist, but like we, we know the rest of the story. He's John the Baptist, who, who is prophesied in the book of Malachi to come and prepare the way for the Lord. And, and so what he does is he begins to preach this gospel, and he begins to show people what repentance is through this message of, of baptism, right? And then when Jesus shows up, he's the one who, uh, like, baptizes Jesus, and then God speaks from heaven and announces that this is his son, this is his Messiah, this is his Christ. And that's what's promised to Zach. What's promised to Mary is just as astounding, actually it's way more astounding, because it's the birth of Jesus. Let's read it again. Verse number 30, 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So what's promised to Mary is that she's going to have a child, and this child is going to be the king that reigns forever. This has been promised in, in all of the Old Testament. It's the Davidic covenant. It's, the, it's the, the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything that God has been working towards. And the truth is, is we are still looking forward to things that he's going to do when he comes back. We are looking forward to his, his physical reign on earth that will last forever, right? Right? We are looking forward to life and eternity with him forever. And, and, and we get to sing songs about he shall reign forevermore because this is what has been promised. I, I want us to get this, this picture in our mind a little bit. The promise that's given to Mary is one little promise in an entire history of promises of what God is doing. And what Mary gets to do is she gets to become a part of this work that God has been working towards since Genesis chapter number 2. 
when he promised that he would crush the head of Satan. God has been working throughout all of history to accomplish his purpose and his plan. God has plans that include us. They're not just about us, right? Like, same thing with Zach. Zach's prayer was that he could have a child. And God said, I'm giving you a child so that he can prepare the way for the Messiah. And God takes our part in this story. And he has a plan and a purpose for what we should be doing in the work that he is accomplishing. And Mary gets to be a part of it. trying to jump the gun and talk about something I was going to talk about later. That's why the pause. It's hard when you, I don't know. I said it last week. It's hard when you don't think in a straight line. And I never thought, I didn't think in a straight line, but maybe I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, God is, has been actively working to accomplish his purpose. And, and, I'm going to say this a lot because I, I think it's important for our perspective to change, uh, to understand his purpose. But if I can be clear, what his purpose is, is that all men would love, worship, and live with him. That's his purpose. And he's actively working to make a way so that we can have life with him. And singularly, in the case of the person of Zach and Mary, they get to be a part of this. But it's not about Mary. Again, I might struggle with some people and how much they talk about Mary. Because it's not supposed to be about her. She's a beautiful picture and she's a wonderful example. But it's about Jesus. Not just Jesus for Mary, but Jesus for all of mankind. Jesus for me more than 2,000 years later. And Jesus for you, almost 14-year-old in age, who hasn't accomplished anything yet. And it's for the, I'm not going to point to an old person in the room. I'll let you guys figure that one out. It's for all of us. God is, is actively working for those of us in this room and those out there. God has a plan and is working to accomplish his plan. And it's more than just us, but we get to be a part of it. But now we, we come to the third point. We're comparing, we're contrasting Mary and Zach. It didn't matter who they were. God can use anybody. And the promise is that God is working to fulfill his plan. And he's doing things in our lives so that we can be a part of it. But now there's this, this perception problem that we can have. Perception problem. Because see, there's, <laughs> for both of these, Mary and Zach, there's a problem. God has promised something, but there's an obstacle. There's something in the way. There's something we don't understand. For Zach, his wife is well advanced in years. She can't have kids, and she's been barren her whole life. So even if she wasn't barren, uh, she's too old now. 
And the obstacle for Mary is the exact opposite. She's too young. She's not married yet. She's never had sex. Like, how's this going to work? How, how do I just have a kid? There's a problem. There's an obstacle. There's something that gets in the way. Benny, come here. Steve, you want to be my second volunteer? I didn't talk to you about this, but. It was technically a question mark at the end. This is my son, Benny. I did actually read his shirt before I made him come up here. So, you know, explore the outdoors. We're good. And this is Steve. I won't put my head, my arm on your head. So, there's something I want to do to kind of illustrate the obstacle in our life. That God is actively working. God has a plan and a purpose. And there's obstacles that get in the way of what God is accomplishing. And what I want us to do is I want us to consider. The promise. Okay. The promise. It's good. God is doing something and and we get to be a part of it. But in between the promise and us, Steve, would you stand like right here? In between us and the promise is an obstacle. And here's what, you know, like, I don't know how many of you, your perception right now, you can't see my son. I think there's plenty of you in the room who probably can still see my son. But there's sometimes, for us, there's this perception, when I'm standing right here, I can't see the promise. All I can see is the problem. Steve is not the problem, okay? I'll be honest, though. Sometimes the problem is people, right? Like there's, like there's this promise. There's God's actively working, and, and God can do great things, but I can't see it. I just see a problem. I just, there's an obstacle. There's a, I can't. God, I, I want to. Zachariah said, I want a child. God, I need a child. I want a child. I, I, want, I want a child. And God said, I'm giving you a child. And I'm just like, she's old. And Mary does the same thing. God says, you're going to have a son. And it's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be called the son of the highest. And he's going to be the king that reigns forever. And Mary says this. She says, I see the promise. How's that going to be taken care of? Sometimes we just need to change our perspective. Let me be clear about something. The problem's still there. We're not ignoring the problem. Mary sees the problem. But she has a heart and a willingness that when God says he can take care of the problem, okay, my perspective, I'm going to see the promise. I'm going to trust God. The problem's real. But we can change our perspective. 
And what changes our perspective is what the angel says. For with God, nothing is impossible. Thanks, guys. You can go sit down. Good job, buddy. God is actively working. God can use anybody. And our, the call for us is to trust that God can do the impossible. It doesn't matter what obstacle. It doesn't matter what we're facing. It doesn't matter what gets in the way. God can do the impossible. God can use anyone to accomplish his purpose, and he can use anyone to accomplish the impossible. It doesn't matter if you're an old couple or a young couple. It doesn't matter if you're just beginning or you've been doing it a long time. You can serve God and see the impossible happen. Not just for you, but to accomplish the purpose that God has. So that he can bring life to everyone. We have to change our perspective. And, and as we continue to compare and contrast, the beautiful thing about how we change our perception is God gives proof. It, sometimes it's because of our unbelief as Zach. That can't happen. God says, okay, I'm going to show you that I can do the impossible. And you don't get to speak for the re- until your child is born. Or... It can be like Mary, who recognizes the obstacle. But when God says, I'm going to take care of it, still going to give proof. You can go see Elizabeth. You know, the barren old lady? She's pregnant. Go see what God can do. God is the God of the womb. He gives. He withholds. He has a purpose in it. And we can be like Zach. And experience God accomplishing his purpose mute. Or it can be like Mary, who next week we'll look at, who experiences God accomplishes his plan with rejoicing. Man, the call for us is to change our perspective, to actually have faith, to trust in our God that he can do the impossible. So I ask you today, Who are you? I'm convinced God can use anyone. Anyone who's willing to follow him. Are you fighting against God? Do you think God needs you? Do you think God can't use you? It doesn't matter. If you have a heart that's willing to follow God, God will use you. What is God doing in your life? What is God doing in your life? What, where do you get to join in the work that God is accomplishing? And what's your perspective? Do your problems, do the obstacles in your life appear bigger than your God? Do you have faith and trust that God can do the impossible. We need to adjust our perspective to trust God no matter the obstacle. And we can do it like Zach and have to 
be mute and punished and head down the whole way. Or I can do it like Mary. And when God says he's got it, we can just trust him. And we can walk forward rejoicing. And next week we'll look at her song, her prayer that she writes. It was beautiful to know and trust the God of the impossible. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today. And I just pray for each of us. I pray, I pray for me that, that my focus would not be just on the obstacle, but that we would recognize you, that we would see you, that you would be the goal and the prize of our life. And so, Lord, as we consider the obstacles that are in our path, Lord, I just pray that you would show us proofs that you are actively working. Show us how we can trust that you can do the impossible. Show us what you are doing, and as you lead, Lord, I just pray that we, especially as a church, but also individually and in our families, in our community, I pray that we would trust that no matter the obstacle, that your way is good, and that where you are leading is, is good, not just for us, uh, but for all of us, for, for our community and our families. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.